Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 208, I'm your host, Jared Weich. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. Just another normal week without really weird, crazy news in the world. Yeah, just completely normal. No, I mean, we don't have the blockbuster news of, you know, one game developer slash publisher kind of encompassing another one. But we do have some weird stuff to talk about this week. Um, yeah, I, I didn't expect that this week's news would include Spider-Man news unrelated to Miles Morales. Well, I guess tangentially it's related. Anyways, we'll get to that later. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention to the internet, there was some changes to the remastered version of Marvel Spider-Man on PlayStation 5. But before we get to that, we have plenty of gaming news to talk about, some quickie news stories. Then we'll get to that big topic regarding Spider-Man. And then we have our second chapter of our Tell Me Why uh, video game book club. We're going to be going over chapter two, the second of the three chapters. Um, some really cool revelations in this chapter. Uh, but yeah, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. First up, it was announced, you know, we heard about EA Play coming to Xbox Game Pass. Wasn't sure when it was actually going to be implemented. And we have a date. So on the launch of the Xbox Series X and Series S, which is 11-10, uh, November 10th, it's coming to console uh, for Xbox Game Pass, and it'll be coming to PC in December. So that's really cool. Um, I'm wondering if this was the plan all along, Dom, if they're like, hey, yeah, let's try to at least hit launch of next gen. Is that what you think the plan was? Yeah, probably. And it's always good to um, – Microsoft's doing a great job at like strategically spreading out in you know how they release information because like you know one one uh one blog post or whatever it was saying ea play coming to game pass like that's big news that's great it gets people's attention and then separately um you know a week later whatever it was here's the date where it's coming like another thing that gets people's eyes on them so like it's pretty pretty smart uh marketing strategy i think yeah and i i wonder if we're going to see a difference in strategy there where xbox from the point of pre-orders going live up until the release they're going to drip feed this news out right over weeks and days mm-hmm. so it's a constant a constant thing of xbox being in the news for months at least right. two months and playstation are they going to do a last second blitz where two sec two seconds two weeks out from the launch that's when they just hit people with everything because it is strange that we're what are we now uh, a month and some change away from the playstation 5 and we don't even know what the ui on the console looks like which is kind of crazy yeah we've been kind of assuming like they're going to drop a video like you know kind of showing walking through some of the features and haven't seen it yet um because it would be kind of nice to see some of that stuff now guys <laughs> yeah i mean there is a reality in which they don't drop that stuff until the launch of the console but i i don't know why they would do that i can't imagine knows, that just seems yeah. crazy but whatever who knows yeah. with them anymore we'll see yeah and it's it's strange it's one of those things obviously the conspiracy theorists are out, out there like well, is PlayStation in a place now where they just hold announcements because it's partly, A, they're not sure of the final form of whatever the announcement's going to be, and secondly, it might not be the best news, so therefore they hold off to the last possible moment. Kind of like what we saw with Miles Morales coming to PS4 and Horizon and all that stuff, you know? They really were kind of vague on that stuff up until they had to reveal that information, you know? So we'll see what happens. Once again, I don't necessarily... Uh, prescribe to that notion uh you know that's kind of a very pessimistic view of playstation but who knows uh next up xbox hall of fame this is something really cool that i hope playstation does i don't know if you saw this over the week dom but xbox announced this hall of fame program and basically it's a contest where they're going to have 
They're going to select eight entrants from each participating country, and they're going to get entered into the first class for the Xbox Hall of Fame. Now, there's multiple ways to be able to get inducted. It's partially based on your lifetime legacy as an Xbox user and partially as these, like, current events you can do of, like, playing X amount of Game Pass games, getting X amount of achievements, gamer score, yada, 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 right? So I entered it, and the cool thing, too, is if you enter, not only are you eligible to be in the first Hall of Fame class for Xbox, um, a bunch of people are going to be winning a year subscription to Xbox Game Pass. So even if you don't get into the Hall of Fame, you still can get a really good reward, um, which is, you know, $100 value. Well, actually, it's Game Pass Ultimate, so it'd be $150 value. No, that's not right. It'd be $174 value. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really cool. I'm interested to see if I have a chance of winning. I have a 150,000 gamer score, which is pretty high. And you may be wondering, like, how do us you know, John Smith's of the world have a chance when there's these record setters and Twitch streamers that have all these crazy things with Xbox. Well, it turns out a lot of those people were already gifted a membership into the Xbox Hall of Fame. So if you're familiar with the likes of Ray Stallion 83, who has the highest gamer score ever, he was the first hit a million gamer score. He got inducted in. Uh, Ray from Achievement Hunter, who's now a solo streamer, aka Brown Man, got inducted in. Uh, Maka's Guides, who's one of the most popular achievement trophy hunters on youtube he got inducted in which is really cool i think it's an awesome program where you kind of reward the people who are most dedicated to your platform and i would love to see playstation do something similar too and i wonder because they're saying this is the first class dom it'd be really cool if this was like an annual or biannual event and then this is this could, this could be part of uh exo when that comes back right as part of that whole community event that they have exo 21 or whatever it's going to be they can have the Hall of Fame class there or announce the new Hall of Fame class. I think that'd be really cool. Um, in general, what do you think of this Hall of Fame program? Is it something you hope maybe PlayStation does for their community? And in general, do you think this is a smart idea by Xbox? Yeah, I think it's it's fun. Like, it's a cool thing. Um, I, yeah, that'd be cool if PlayStation did something like that, too. I mean, they're similar systems, um, like achievements versus trophies, like, it's, you know, like, kind of have that same thing going about them where it's like you're keeping score across all the games you play on that platform and um and, and getting awards and so on so like it makes sense like they're trying to drive that kind of competition and get people into it to make it official is pretty cool right because um right now like you can already go on like psm profiles um and i'm sure there's equivalent for uh, achievements you know like those other other websites that kind of do that and rank people based on different metrics and that kind of stuff so for xbox to make like an official hall of fame thing is is, is pretty sweet um, um what, one thing like we haven't talked about it in a while like that i wish both of them would do more is and sony kind of does this but it doesn't always work is like actual rewards for your achievements and trophies um some like i, I give away like themes sometimes like i got a bloodborne theme when i got that platinum trophy for example yeah um but maybe like yeah, you get so many platinums or you get so much gamer score that like you get some kind of avatars or even you know you, not necessarily like um credit like monetary rewards but like something cool to acknowledge that um that's kind of more what i'm into i think that'd be cooler but yeah the hall of fame stuff is, is really fun well and to your point so xbox's ui is similar but it's updated right obviously and i think that they could play around with themes for that which could be a reward for achievements but also, Xbox has like their Pixar style uh, avatars now. Do you remember when they released these? Mm-hmm. They could have items in there too that you unlock. I do think there needs to be a way in which we gamers get rewarded more for committing to trophies and achievements. And yeah. 
I will say PlayStation does a better job of it, but even then, I th- I think it's like, you know, bare minimum in terms of you know right. fulfilling it. But yeah, it's it's one of those things of like, do they put in the resources for something that is a very niche group of people that play the platform generally, and it's yet to kind of weigh the cost balance of that. And uh, I mean, in my opinion, I think a lot of times the people who are hardcore into trophies and achievements tend to be the biggest word of mouth marketers for your systems right because they're so into it that they'll sell other people on it so i do think Mm -hmm. there's an avenue there to reward those people but i thought that was so cool if for some reason i do end up making it and oh by the way i forgot to mention not only do you get inducted into it you get like a very uh limited edition jacket with your gamer tag on the back uh it's like it looked like a leather Uh jacket or maybe like a letterman's jacket that's pretty Uh, sweet you get like a crystal award that says like you know hall of fame class and then your gamer tag and your name which is really cool. And then you obviously get uh, some game pass as well. So really cool program. Interested to see what happens there. The cutoff for it is October 19th, I believe. So if you're interested in this, just Google Xbox Hall of Fame and you can register. It's by simply logging into your Microsoft account. It'll do all of it on the back end. You don't have to worry about entering information. That's really cool. Uh, Next up, Xbox Series X hands-on early previews are live. Now, these outlets have kind of been mandated to talk about specific things, and this is part of Xbox's drip feed um, strategy, Don, that we talked about, where they're letting people talk about a specific set of things, and then I assume that'll unlock more things up until the release of the console itself. I also want to preface that these are not reviews. These are previews, so Xbox even stated that these aren't technically the final builds of the consoles, right? These aren't the retail versions of them, but for all intents and purposes, they practically are. I think it's more of a semantics legal thing there. Anyways, they were able to share so far their opinions and experiences with quick resume and backwards compatibility. Um, and one thing to preface here as well is that the titles that they were trying out, all of these different outlets, aren't optimized for the velocity architecture. So a lot of the jumps in graphical fidelity and performance you're seeing are uh, just the system itself working naturally, right? So there's a difference between the velocity architecture just taking the backwards compatible stuff or even the local titles and boosting them as opposed to the developers going in and optimizing it for the architecture itself. Um, but so far, uh, generally positive reception. Most people are saying that quick resume is really cool and also that the backwards compatibility works just like you'd expect from Xbox that they've proven over the last couple of years. And the last thing too is that um, people like Jeff Grubb did tests with uh, drive transfers, right? So going from the Seagate external hard drive to the internal SSD, uh, and then from non-SSD hard drives that are external to the internal SSD, as well as external hard drives to the uh, expansion Seagate card as well. And it's really impressive. I don't know if you had a chance to check these out, Dom, but in the like the worst case, these games are transferring between the internal and outside sources like in 10 minutes at most. Most of them are like four minutes. So that leads, the reason I want to talk about this is we have the news that you're going to have about 800 gigabytes active for the Xbox Series X, right? Comes with a terabyte, but 200 of it, essentially, I think it's like 198 actually, is going to be reserved for UI and quicker zoom and all this other stuff. Because these transfer speeds are so fast, are we maybe overblowing the the memory here of needing to get an expansion card or... <laughs> Because if it transfers like that, I have a six terabyte external hard drive that's not SSD, and even those transfer speeds are crazy. So I can put everything on there and then just transfer my active games, right? 
I mean, you already know my answer to this question because I had already been saying that, that we are yeah. overblowing it. And I've already and, – and, like, that's just me and the way I um, maintain storage and stuff. But, um, yeah, I think this is, this is another g- cool feature that's going to um, – what do I want to say? Remedy or, like, alleviate, you know, some of the pain caused by having a smaller uh, SSD. That, yeah. yeah, the ability – because a lot of people are going to be bringing over, you know, their external storage drives that they had been using this generation, right? Um, and plugging that in and, and using this feature a lot. And the fact that it's actually, you know, worthwhile, it's going to be significantly faster than, you know, downloading from from the servers. Like, I, I think most PS4 games probably take, like, half an hour or 40 minutes or so to download straight from the server. So, like, if PlayStation can, you know, get similar speeds of, like, oh, now it only takes 10 minutes to move from your external drive and so on, like, to the main drive, then that's, that's much better. Um, right so yeah th- this is a really cool feature and hopefully playstation 5 does this a similar thing at the same speed because yeah that's that's pretty cool and the other thing we have to clarify too is that xbox has been very good with cloud saves right and the ability for those you'd mm-hmm. be you'd be, be able to access your saves from anywhere we're still unclear of how cloud saving is going to work with playstation 4 to playstation 5 there's some weird stuff going on with i think Yakuza it's like a dragon i think it's clear that it's not going to work <laughs> consistently yeah I got to think that they just um, they haven't made it as easy on the developers as Xbox has apparently. Don't and count another on thing, it, basically. another thing too, you mentioned that people are going to be bringing their externals from current gen, next gen. Keep in mind that you want to have an external that also has a good transfer speed to it, right? So maybe you, your current external has the fast transfer speed, which is good. But if you want to, you mm. can obviously get an ex- a new external that has better transfer speeds for much cheaper than what the expansion options are going to be for both the Xbox Series X and PS5. That's a, a good so point. Not every, not every hard drive is, is equal, right? Some are faster yeah. than others and so on. So just keep that in mind. And, yeah, I, I do think there is a conversation there of us overblowing the need for these expansions um, because we can't utilize the transfer speeds. And... Correct me if I'm wrong, transferring a game from an external to your internal, if you have like a bandwidth cap, that wouldn't affect it, right? Because you're just transferring memory at that point. You're not actually downloading something. I mean, no, when you're going back and forth, no, but you would have had to initially download it. Yeah, for sure. At all. But uh, yeah, if you're like constantly like swapping back and forth, um, which just seems weird to me, but (laughs) as a use case, but yeah, that would, you're, you're still local. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, just for people with data caps, because I think it, it would be easier for them to strategize downloading that stuff without hitting your data cap, eventually getting everything into your big external, right? And then knowing like, oh, if I transfer stuff, it's not going to go against my data cap, right? So and one thing I wondered, um, and maybe they've tested this, like say you have your external plugged in your Xbox One right now, right? Can you like plug that right into a Series X and then you're good to go? Or do they, do they have to like re-download and reformat those files or something like that? Good question. I don't know if anybody's tested that yeah. or not. Hmm. That'd be cool if you could just literally plug it right into the new one and like your your data's right there. That'd be sweet. Yeah. My assumption would be that it doesn't have to reformat because a lot of that stuff is the same on the back end, right? But mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. A good question though. Um, maybe we'll see that in the next round of like previews. Maybe somebody got that question after this first wave, right, and figured it out. It is a good question though. Next up, we have a couple of releases this week, Dom. So we're going to do our usual review roundup. The two games in question are Star Wars Squadrons and Crash 4, It's About Time. 
First up, Crash 4 It's About Time is currently sitting at an 80. I didn't even know that this game came out this week. I had no idea that there was a Crash 4. I think I must have heard about it, but this was like, oh, it's already out. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited, especially with these reviews. So it's it's currently sitting at an 85 on Metacritic. Chris Carter nice. of Destructoid gave it a 90 and said, quote, I sincerely hope that Activision entrusts Toys for Bob and Vicarious Visions with the keys to the Crash Kingdom from here on out, end quote. Toys for Bob are the developers of It's About Time, and Vicarious Visions are the studio that handled the uh, remake of the trilogy, the Insane Trilogy. So he has a point there. They've done tremendous work. Um, and, you know, Activision has kind of been scummy as of late, so it's really cool to see all these remasters paying off for them. Next up, Jonathan Dornbush of IGN gave it an 80 and said, quote, Crash Bandicoot 4 is a great return to form with some new ideas that add a fresh spin to Crash's classic gameplay, unquote. So, uh, you know, not as high, given 80 as opposed to 90. Still, 80 is a great review score, especially for a new Crash title. Yeah. I am certainly surprised it's at an 85 on Metacritic. If you told me to guess what it would be, I would assume anywhere between like a 75 to an 82. Mm-hmm. So 85 is actually kind of high. Um, yeah. Gets me excited, though. I'm really cool it's i'm really cool it's really cool to see that it's reviewing this well because i was excited but i wasn't sure it's the thing with the fall games i'm like am i gonna wait for this game am i gonna wait for sale am i gonna pick it up right away and honestly i don't know if this is a game that i want to play it immediately and i wouldn't mind buying it but i'd rather just wait to buy it and play it naturally on the next gen system even if it's through backwards compatibility just for those automatic enhancements right um because, you know, we're going to be waiting. It's a, it's a month and, and a week from Xbox, so might as well just wait. For me, anyways. Next up, Star Wars Squadrons. This bad boy is currently sitting at an 81 on Metacritic. Um, so, still pretty good. Um, a lot of reviews are currently in progress because this is very much focused on the multiplayer aspect of the game, right? So, I think a lot of people still want to get some experience with the community once they get their hands on it and see how it plays with the larger player base. Andrew Reiner of Game Informer gave it an 83 and said Squadron single player may fizzle out frequently like a malfunctioning hyperdrive motivator, but the multiplayer continually impresses and is worth the price of entry alone. So some not too kind words for the single player aspect of it, um, but apparently the multiplayer is really great. Um, So that's good to hear. Next up, Wes Fenlin of PC Gamer. His review is in progress, so no actual score on it. But he said, quote, Star Wars Squadron succeeds where it's most important. It's a thrill to pilot these ships a hair's breadth above the surface of a Star Destroyer and through stunning nebulae and war wreckage more vivid than I could ever possibly imagine playing TIE Fighter in the late 1990s. The campaign, which took me about 10 hours to complete on the default difficulty, never really surprises, but it does manage to accomplish something noteworthy. This feels like being in Star Wars in a way no game has in a long, long time. Unquote. Man. I am so pumped on this right now, and but it's also a weird thing because I read a couple reviews today, and one thing they all seem to have in common is that this is like this game is enhanced greatly when played in VR. Yeah. So I'm I'm like to myself, oh, I want I want to play this so bad, and as good as the reviews are, apparently they're all even better when played in VR. So I think I'm gonna hold off until I actually have a VR unit to play this game because that sounds incredible as michael huber from easy allies would say if you're not playing this in vr it's compromised (laughs) there you go yeah seems like the way to play this game the true way is through vr 
Uh, and it could be that system seller for a lot of people, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool. I love his last line here, Wes Fenlon, when he says, "This feels like being in a Star War, being in Star Wars in a way no game has in a long, long time," and that mm -hmm. is probably the VR, right? Feeling like you're in those ships in that cockpit, which is really cool. Um, one thing I I picked up from a review, I can't remember whose it was, but basically saying that um, when you're in a Tie Fighter from that perspective of first person you realize this is just the most horribly architected ship ever because it's, it's just a circle with a little window you have no peripheral vision you know whereas most of your x-wings and stuff you have a the, your your windshield is like all around you and your head can see in all directions That's funny. So like you kind of like when it gets too realistic it kind of like breaks the immersion or you know breaks like, like some of the things that are stupid about the universe in that case it's i've never been a flight guy so i have zero interest in this game uh it sounds cool though like if i ever have a chance if a buddy of mine has vr and he has this game i definitely want to try it out I just i've never been about flight games man just not my thing mm -hmm. um yeah that's it two really cool review roundups for crash forts about time and star wars squadrons one reviewing higher than i thought and one reviewing maybe a little bit lower than i thought i assumed squadrons was going to be in the mid 80s but once again a lot of those reviews are in progress and from a lot of this stuff too the single player isn't that great so that probably weighed it down i'm assuming if it was just a multiplayer experience with vr it might have gone much higher you know it could be that the single player is weighing it down opposite of what doom 2016 had remember where the single player was incredible but the multiplayer was so bad it weighed down a lot of those reviews mm. it might be the opposite effect here um real quick before we hop into the big topic we have some required reading this week um jason schreier the brilliant jason schreier over at bloomberg now which is still weird to say uh, he had a piece titled Cyberpunk 2077 Publisher Orders Six Day Weeks Ahead of Launch. It's a really fascinating article talking about how CD Projekt Red is, you know, leaning into crunch to get this game out in time in November. And it kind of directly goes against what the head of the studio told Jason Trier last year, where he kind of promised to him that they wouldn't be doing crunch because they planned accordingly to make sure that wouldn't happen. So it's kind of spitting in the face of that. And it's a very interesting topic right now because... You know, we talk about crunch in the industry and how people need to unionize and all this stuff. But at the same time, you know, crunch is a natural part of a lot of industries. And at what point is it a healthy form of crunch and an unhealthy form of crunch? And if employees are being able to choose whether or not they if it's voluntary and they're getting paid accordingly for their extra efforts, like where's the line there? You know what I mean? It isn't a black and white conversation. There definitely is a lot of gray there. Um, yeah. And also, like, there's different each case is even a little different, right? So yeah. at least in this case, there are pretty uh, strict labor laws in Poland? Poland, yeah. Poland, where, you know, legally, the employees, salary employees have to um, earn time and a half on overtime. And there, there are a few other rules are like, like about that, you know, around that, that I don't think we even have that here in the U.S. Um, so that's good. And then additionally, um, they get, at least at that studio, they get a really good bonus based on, the game sales it's like some percentage you know of the of the sales goes back to the team so like at least the you know all this extra work they're being compensated proportionally at least um that's not to say that that's an okay thing um but like that's that sound it's a, that's a different case than some of the other you know stuff we heard about like maybe naughty dog or some other studios um where maybe it's a little bit different so and i do think we also have to put into perspective there were two americans talking about this and american culture in general we tend to put a huge strain on the productivity we have, right? And work in general. And we kind of validate that by saying, you know, 
money equals more work, so therefore more work is fine. And to other countries, that might not be the case. You know what I mean? So hearing that they do get time and a half, which sounds good from an American perspective, like, well, at least they're getting more paid more for it. You know, that might not gel well with people from other cultures. So there's something to think about as well. Like I said, not black and white, a lot of gray area there. But definitely read Jason Trier's article. As always, his stuff is must read. Let's get into this Spider-Man stuff, Dom. So Marvel's Spider-Man face change. This is from multiple sources via the Insomniac blog, PlayStation blog, as well as Twitter. This week saw the reveal of a new in-game character model for Peter Parker and Marvel's Spider-Man for the remaster coming to the PlayStation 5. The reason for this change, according to Insomniac, was to find a better facial animation match for voice performer Yuri Lowenthal's facial capture performance. According to the developers, the change in fidelity and performance on the PS5 needed to be met with a closer match. Fans are divided on the change, as most saw it as unnecessary, and the line was drawn in the sand as to whether you prefer the original, which many poked at as a knockoff Andrew Garfield, or the new model, which many are pointing at as a knockoff Tom Holland. Uh, Brian Intihar, the creative director of Marvel's Spider-Man, had this to say via post he made on Twitter regarding the change. A few words for me on today's news. Today's news about the new Peter Parker face model has surprised some of you, and we at Insomniac totally understand your reaction. Your reaction. Heck, it even took me a while to get used to Peter's new look. But as we discussed the franchise's future and moving to the PS5, it quickly became apparent that delivering even more believable-looking characters made finding a better facial match for actor Yuri Lowenthal, who we all love as Peter, a necessity. We care as much about this character as your attachment to him, so please know we didn't make this decision change lightly. As we did throughout the development of Marvel Spider-Man, we will continue to read your comments, listen, and always be looking for ways to improve every facet of the game. At the same time, I hope you can trust us that this decision is what we feel was best for the future of the franchise and our upcoming goals for the beloved Marvel character. Now, with all of that being said, Dom, what are your impressions of all this happening? It's, well, initially it's weird. You're like, why the heck would they do that? And then the explanation um, they give is like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like moving to the new system, like it's the the you know the shape of the face is detailed and the technology is detailed enough to where like that can make a be- bigger difference, make it look more realistic. It's so kind of surprising that they went through all the trouble though to go back and get a whole new model to to do this. But um, whatever. Um, I'm kind of on the side of like I'm not. I like the old look. If they're saying that like it's gonna be more realistic with the new model, like that's great, like that's cool. But like as far as appearance, and I I felt like the older one, the the initial actor or model, uh, fit better just because this Spider-Man is like in his like mid twenties or something, I want to say. Whereas um, uh, MCU Spider-Man is still in high school, right? So like it makes sense that he looks a little younger, even though Tom Holland is like I think older than me. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, but either way, I'm like. I'm not for the record, Tom Holland is like 22, 23. Never mind. He's a little bit younger than me still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was like, to me, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I mean, whatever they think is best, like, I, don't know, I trust them, right? Yeah. So especially as somebody who's really into the comics, a lot of people who are into Spider-Man have their own idea of what Spider-Man should look like and have their preferences, right? right? For me, I've always been a fan of the more baby face Peter Parker. I just always who I've pictured. So this to me leans more towards Peter. That's why I've always thought Tom Holland was the best uh, casting for it, as opposed to Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield. Um, 
there's some rumblings as to why people think outside of this why this is happening one in terms of marketing and likeness if your spider-man in your video game maybe doesn't look directly like tom holland but is familiar to people who have seen spider-man that can definitely help with sales right so that's one thing obviously none of this is confirmed this is just people talking speculation the other one is people think that maybe this has to do with uh the spider-man coming to marvel's avengers right um and there might be something there as well who knows uh, to me, I, I wholly believe them that it is probably to have a better face match with uh, Yuri Lowenthal. If you look at Yuri Lowenthal and you look at this new actor, they don't look directly a, a similar, but their face shapes are very similar and their mouth shapes are very similar. So that makes sense. And to the other point, people are like, oh, Peter Parker now looks like he's 15 or whatever. I have friends who are 28 and 29 who look as young as this new Peter Parker model does. You know what I mean? Some people just mm -hmm. have a serious case of baby face. Um and I, I, people are like, oh, he looks 12. He looks younger than Miles. And I don't know if it's that hyperbolic. I will give people the fact that he does look younger than the other model. Um, but I have plenty of friends who have this type of baby face. Um, I wonder, though, Dom, do you think this is the only character change we see? Because if they're willing to do this for the main character of the game, we've already seen Miles get a redesign, remember? He looks completely different than the original Spider-Man as well. I wonder if it's just them trying to... They know that this is going to be one of the pillars of PS5, right? And if they want to hit those performance targets, maybe they do. They felt like, okay, if we're going to start anywhere, let's just wipe the slate clean here and get the best facial models we can for these characters. Like, do you think we'll see Mary Jane change or maybe even like Norman Osborn? Do you mean in the remaster or in. Yeah, in the remaster, because this is for the remaster. I mean, I, I guess it's possible that. I, I want to say probably not. I mean, it's, it's just doing. It's still like it's a cra it's crazy to me that they went through all this trouble, um, but seeing that they went through all this trouble for the you know the main character in the game, um, maybe that that's where they draw the line of like ah some of these other characters who aren't like featured as much, um, you know we're not going to go through the trouble. But if those characters show up in you know in the Miles Morales game or future games, you know Spider Man Two. Um, assuming that is you know comes out eventually then it would make sense like that's where you make those changes right like um going forward like but to go through all this trouble for like the remaster is like i, I don't know it just seems like a lot I don't know. well weird another weird conspiracy theory that people are clinging to is that playstation obviously wanted to charge again for the remaster of the game and not have it free that well, obviously that's an assumption and maybe they talk to Insomniac and they're like, hey, what, what can we do to incentivize people to understand why they should pay for this, right? And maybe Insomniac's like, well, we've been thinking about maybe changing the face model for Peter because we want to find something that works better and is more dynamic with Yuri's performance. And PlayStation's like, okay, we'll give you guys the funding for that, green light it. You know what I mean? So not like devilish, right, or insidious, but like make maybe there was a it. conversation there. Yeah. Yeah, like make it real good value case for why um we're going to charge more for this and who knows it could have been the opposite too maybe this was maybe charging more was a, a more of an insomniac decision too um i wouldn't bet on that but uh that could have been it too um but yeah you could, and you notice a lot of their tweets lately have been to me like I, there's been like so much attention on this remaster it's like dude there's a brand new game that's coming yeah, out exactly <laughs> but like so much attention and even from their own accounts from uh, insomniac and sony are like here's all the cool stuff we're doing in spider-man remaster it's like that's cool but like what about the new game like i want to hear more about that um to me that should get the limelight you know that should get 90 percent of your your marketing efforts and that then um because the internet's the internet and they're gonna like run away with oh you know one puddle's wrong or like one grunt in halo looks stupid and it's like yeah but those are just 
little things like, like just stop exploding tiny little things. Um, but I think Sony could do a better job of like guiding some of that conversation with this game at least. Well, that's to the point of where's their messaging for the consoles we're approaching launch. Like the only news you're getting now necessarily aren't the best of headlines, right? Like, come on. You have plenty of things that are great to talk about. Why right. is the one burning story for PlayStation right now? Why did you change the the character model of Peter right. Parker and Spider-Man? Yeah. Like, stop letting the internet carry that narrative. Because it's, it's just a stupid little thing at the end of the day, right? It doesn't matter. It's dumb. But when they just letting the internet go on and on about it, like, no, put something else out there to take over. Like, some other um, marketing note. To, to What's uh, the bad news sandwich, right? You give good news, then you give the bad news, then you give some more good news. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> so, we'll see what happens. Once again, me, I actually... You know, there have been so many comparison shots now of the two models between the two. And during the time, I was like, okay, I, I like this design of Peter. And in retrospect, I kind of don't like it as much now that I see the new one. I'm like, yeah, I actually am yeah. not a huge fan of it. Um, and obviously, like, people are the other way of like, I definitely don't like the new one. I love the old one. And it, I, I can already do it. I already have ideas. Like, um, a lot of people love the new um, design for, for Miles in the new game, right? Like, yeah. Put out a blog post or someone explaining like, like all like what they did differently this time around to make it look more authentic. Like, like because you're gonna get some dumb like from a diversity standpoint, you're gonna get a lot of credit and praise for that. So like, lean into that right now instead of talking about some stupid thing in the remaster, you know, or like or talk about a lot of people fell in love with in the Miles Morales demo where he's walking through uh, Harlem or whatever they call it and how. Um, it, it felt Hispanic and authentic and all that. Like, talk about that. Like, put a blog post about like what you guys did to get all that to feel the way. Capture it does. authentic like, Puerto Rican culture. And right. All that. Yeah. 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 And then that will get a lot of attention and then get people's worries off this stupid. And some people may remaster. say that's like you know pandering or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's like as from a marketing perspective, that's the stuff you have to lean into, especially right. When you have news yeah. like this come out too. I don't know. It's there's easy wins for PlayStation and they're just not securing them. Uh, it's kind of like a news story we didn't cover this week of uh, the new Chromecast isn't going to have Stadia on it. Like, why? <laughs> Imran Khan of Kind of Funny in recent Game Informer had a really funny tweet where he's like, I think sometimes Google forgets they own Stadia. <laughs> it's just like yeah. such an easy win. Uh, anyways, let's get into this video game book club. Tell me why chapter two. So we're going to do what we did last week where we're going to go over the major story beats and locations. And then we're going to talk about the choices at the end and, you know, give some predictions as to where we think the story is going. So, this one is called Family Secrets, aptly named. Um, it starts off with a storybook opening, kind of obviously paying homage to the fantastical created characters and stuff that the family, Marianne and her two children, put together. The goblins. Yeah. I wish that was really neat. Uh, yeah. And then we get to the nighttime flashback, uh, where at first you're like, okay, why are we seeing them talk at the dinner table and then get put to bed and Marianne's reading them a, a bedtime story? And then you realize that after they go to sleep, uh, they Allison wakes up in the middle of the night and goes downstairs to get some more ice cream, as a little kid would, right? And as she's sitting at the – not sitting, standing at the kitchen desk or uh, shelf. Yo, hold uh, up. She goes to drink the ice cream right out of the carton, and I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, legendary move right there. Hall of Fame move. Mm -hmm. uh, she hears you know, commotion outside. And then we find out that this was the moments and the day that the event happened. She runs outside and obviously ends up stabbing Marianne in the back. And you tie it all together and it starts you qu starts making you question. I don't know if you felt the same way, Don. Like, 
she just read them a bedtime story. Where was that, like, that switch flipped? Where it went from her being kind to them and reading a bedtime story, and then her standing out there, obviously, with a shotgun. And as this chapter unfolds, we hear more and more. But how did you feel about the revelation that you were witnessing the events leading up to the event? I am still a little confused. And maybe as we walk through it, something I'll realize better what was going on. But, yeah, the timelines to me... Um, started to get confusing and you mentioned it uh, you know last week after chapter one like maybe we're going to get into like how reliable are these flashbacks and their memories exactly Um, especially as it it, it leaned into like here's how Allison remembered it versus how Tyler remembered it and so on because I was kind of confused because I I thought that um, Tyler cut his hair and then went out to the shed to rather Allison cut Tyler's hair for him and then he went out to the shed and that's where he encountered his mom but then this is like different because they were getting put to bed, like you said. And then I don't know. I'm a bit confused well, to be honest. So, t- so basically well, we don't know. And I think the reason they don't show it is that when Allison wakes up, we don't know that, uh, Ollie, as she refers to him as a kid, he's no, not Tyler yet. He's Ollie, right? That was his like kid name for himself. He, we don't know if he's still in bed. So my assumption is that he woke up in the middle of the night, went to the shed. Allison was still asleep. When Allison woke up, she didn't bother to check if her brother was still in bed. She just assumed he was. She went downstairs to eat the ice cream. Then she okay. heard them. And at that point, obviously, what happened? So happened. he didn't he didn't go to show. Uh, oh, because his mom wasn't home yet um, when they when they cut his hair. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm clicking now. I'm in. Because uh, even when they're sitting at the dinner table, you can tell that uh, all these hairs shorter, and he has like little braids tied behind his head too. Okay. Um. So yeah, the 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 first area, I guess. There was an opening musical montage that showed the age transition between them as kids and them as adults in the house, which I thought was really cool. Felt very Life is Strange-esque. Uh, really cool, like, indie song in the background as well. Um, but the first location we're at is back at the house with Allison and Tyler, and they're essentially marking what they want to throw, what they want to keep, and what they want to sell. And there was some some player choice in that of, you know, there was a couple of things that you had to mark a certain way, but there were certain items that you could be like, you know, the coffee table is like, do we keep this or should we not? Should I sell this? Which that was cool. I always love a little bit of agency in these games. Who knows if that pays off? Like I wonder, at the end in your new house that you assume you guys have, right, or you have as Tyler alone or whatever, or if you end up moving in, if we see those items because we chose to keep them, I thought I think that would be a pretty cool uh, little hint at, you know, player agency in the game. Uh, but I want to go over some beats real quick, and then you can point out what everyone's going to talk about, Dom. So I wrote down first deciding what to keep throw, which we just went over. Uh, hinting at the financial struggle, we hear more about this, of like they weren't necessarily financially well off, and Marianne had a lot of issues with income and money in general. Um, Tyler uh, mentions that he's finally getting top surgery. This is something we didn't know. We didn't know mm-hmm. if Tyler had already gotten his top surgery or not, but he talks about having the, um, and forgive me for forgetting the term, but the the sports bra-esque type of thing that a lot of trans men wear to kind of hold down their... Um, their breasts when they haven't had their top surgery yet um which and then i was like i was glad they put that in there because i didn't um i never thought about that before um so that was enlightening as far as like how what people do for that um so yeah i i I appreciated that yeah it's it's just you know as as people who aren't trans it's just something you never think about because why would you ever think about it but then right you find out about it's like man well a, how much does that cost? What's the recovery time? Mm-hmm. You know, if you are somebody who lives in a household who kind of rejects your you being trans, who do you get to help you get to and from the hospital? Like, there's a lot of stuff there that's like, 
it's uh, yeah it's awful to think about in terms of people being in the worst case scenario for that stuff uh i'm trying to read what i wrote here i said all characters oh all characters based on people we find out that the moose the bear and the uh seagull are based on characters and there's a neat little puzzle where you have to solve and obviously you find out that the seagull is tessa because she gives you guys food which is the financial struggle part you find out that the moose is eddie and because he's like protective and then you find out the bear is sam because he's like helpful and stuff so i thought that was pretty neat as well and that yeah. leans into once you know that you're like well what are, who are these other characters then you know and then you kind of start piecing together that marianne might have been the princess um but yeah, this is so this initial thing at the house. I'm seeing if there's anything else I wanted to mention. Uh, oh, when Sam comes back and you have your center, second interaction with him, we'll get to that next. But in terms of all this other stuff I mentioned, of the we talked about the top surgery, but the character thing, Dom, or maybe the financial struggle. Do you have anything to say there? Not really. I mean, it 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 plays a role, but yeah, I I was like, okay, I could see it. Yeah. So. Uh, the second interaction with sam he comes by and he's bearing gifts right so he gives Ty uh, tyler a knife which is like very much something a male role model or figure does to younger men it's like here's your knife you're a man now take care of it or whatever you know what i mean especially literally in like alaska it's funny because like literally um not long before this i went back and rewatched sony's 2016 e3 press conference and like in the God of War trailer, oh, Kratos. Kratos gives Atreus a knife and says, "It was your mother's. You will hunt with this now, or whatever." He's you know, according to this. So, but it was like the same kind of thing. Yeah, this is a very typical thing. It was a nice, a mm -hmm. nice gesture from Sam. And then he gifts uh, Allison, or technically both of them, a famous fish dish that Marianne knew how to cook. That he learned how to cook from her. So it was like a fish on a platter with vegetables. It looked pretty good. Um, and Allison's like, "Well, hey, we can't really warm this because we don't have a stove." Uh, working one anyways or a working oven and that leads them to go to the barn to fix the outlet to make sure everything works this puzzle dumb it wasn't difficult by any means but f i don't know if you ever do this i read the first part of like instructions on uh, in video games anyways uh and then i didn't read the second part where it talked about the colors because you know the first part talks about it needs to be 120 amps the garage needs to be 15 right i read that so i was like okay i'll do the math that means everything else I need to do like four of them 15 and two of them 30 to equal 120. I didn't read the second part that's like, oh, they're all perfectly color-coded. I was like, oh, this is way simpler than I made it out to be. I did the same thing. I was like I was like trying to do this math. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can make it add up, but then how do I know which one? I just have to keep, you know, uh, guess and check or whatever. And then like, this is this is dumb. Why am I? And then, yeah, like read the second note again like, oh oh the color oh okay yeah it's just like yellow it's, yellow red red <laughs> exactly yeah i made it way more difficult than it needed to be um i'm trying to think of what else we find out in that garage besides turning on the power i guess there's a little conflict between sam and tyler over the keys right they, they get the keys from him and then that ends up tyler breaking the barn door um which leads into something that happens later of it being easily accessible by somebody um who could that be who knows um I guess here, I just, it makes me more endearing towards Sam once again because he was willing to come by and give them gifts. Like, he didn't need to. Um, and he's just, he seems a lot more thoughtful um, despite being, like, the town drunk, it seems. Uh, so I thought that was nice. Um, and you can tell that he's cautious around Tyler because he, though he's not familiar with what being trans is and 
obviously he's he, he doesn't live in a necessarily modern society or surrounds himself with that type of thought process he's making a an effort you know what i mean so i appreciate yeah. that yeah much more than some other characters we'll get to in terms of being more understanding um oh uh this is another thing we find out in there is uh sam has guilt tied to the gun we find out that he gave marianne the shotgun and he kind of has a hard time looking at the mantle where it was placed and you can tell he feels a lot of uh resentment towards gifting that to her uh, and that could be a key part of the story moving forward of you know sam feels that if he never gave her the gun it wouldn't have led to the events that happened so next up uh oh okay so this is where we we exit the barn dom and we see the conversation between eddie and marianne right and you find out that eddie's mother was friends with marianne and there so remember the, i'm taking these notes as the story is unfolding so based on the information we get i thought that eddie had to pull his mom off a of life support the way he was talking to marianne of like i'm sorry i had to do it right and i thought he was talking about like my mom was dying she was your friend but sorry we had to do what we had to do right that's the vibe i got um but then also uh we get the i don't know if it's confirmation but did you get the sense that marianne and his mom were for good friends uh wait whose mom eddie's mom they eddie's mom wait a minute yeah they mentioned eddie's mom like several times after you leave the barn okay i'm i don't even remember her being mentioned <laughs> yeah uh and like i said so I'm i guess not in the moment so <laughs> she ends up becoming less of an importance later but they did mention her and i was like why are they mentioning her so much why does it even matter um but then we get to the choice of deciding between which marianne eddie conversation you go with right so it's either allison's which marianne was sad and eddie was very much the accuser or tyler's which marianne was mad and she was much more defensive um i went with allison's memory just because to me it felt that was a much more reasonable conversation based on what we've learned about marianne and the circumstances she was in um which one did you choose i thought that um i remember which one was which but like where marianne is more angry that's she says, tyler's like, yeah. yeah, where she like is pissed off and basically says, like, you betrayed me or something to that effect. So we've gone – this is the second time we've gone opposite of each other because the last one we also went the other way, um, which is awesome about these games. So uh, this is where we also find out that this conversation happened on the same day as the event. So mm -hmm. now we're trying to piece together, okay, this conversation happened. Then there was the stuff with her tucking the kids into bed and cutting the hair. And then there was the actual event that happened. This leads to them going to wanting to drive to the police station to talk to Eddie, right? And get more information about what's this conversation, what exactly happened. But they make a pit stop in the forest uh, at this, like, traveled spot um, because Allison is on the phone with Tina, who is, I assume, their real estate agent or whoever they're working with. Um, and she tells Allison that she found a buyer and the buyer can buy the house for cash. And you choose at this point of wanting to hear about the buyer or deciding you want to hold off it's not really important right now i went with that i went with i'm waiting to sell we have much bigger fish to fry right now did you do the same <laughs> no dude <Doing> opposite <laughs> i was like I, I you hear horror stories about like people who can't sell their house and like they're way up in the nowhere like not often you're gonna get a buyer and like and and allison this whole time has been more on like the side of let's move on already like i don't want to keep digging into all this like let's move on um so i did get a little bit stuck 
that's my problem with all these types of games is like am i supposed to be making these choices from my own perspective or from allison's perspective it's hard um but yeah i went with like let's sell this motherfucker yeah well from my perspective too i i thought i was making allison's decision because at that point there was so with that new conversation focus on getting answers that in that moment if somebody is currently dealing with questions on their mind and they're driving somewhere to get answers they'd much rather hang up on the phone and have that conversation later right humans are very much like that of like okay we'll deal with this later i don't want to deal with this now let me try to figure this out Mm -hmm. um but yeah so i waited to sell uh next up we had the conflict over eddie right uh where they talk about tyler and her talk about him and what exactly he was doing there at the house that day with having that conversation and then there was a really neat moment where they fixed the graffiti on the tree where it says OA for Ollie and Allison and they changed it to be a TA for obviously Tyler and Allison. So I thought that was really cool. It wasn't imp- like a super important uh, moment, but I thought it was very symbolic, obviously, of who Tyler is now. Um, next up, they go to the police station where there's a confrontation there uh, and we'll get to the confrontation itself. But first, props to Officer Denise Wilson, A++. She was a lady at the front desk, uh, the black woman. I just thought she had a really good personality as like a supporting character that we're probably going to talk to once and never talk to again. That she was really cool. She was very welcoming and open to Tyler too. Didn't make it an issue any by any means, which is one of the few people in this story that have not had an issue or brought it up or whatever. So props to her as a character. I just thought it was really well done. Um, next up, uh, we find out that we have to sneak into the archives because Eddie's currently busy with an investigation and he doesn't want to look at the case files for Marianne, right? So at this point, they decide, okay, we need to sneak into the archives. They realize, okay, Allison, you're not as much of a troublemaker. Tyler created a distraction. This is funny. Were you more trial and error like me where you had to try a couple of distractions before you found one that worked? <clears throat> yeah, I tried one that was unsuccessful, and then the second thing I tried worked. Okay, so I tried – because the one that works is knocking the papers down, right? So I tried the missing persons one, which you end up finding out that the girl you say you saw was been dead for like a year and a half. And then <laughs> I tried the win- funny. And then I tried like, the window one. No, I didn't even get to the window. What do you do? The window one is you yell as if somebody somebody's climbing over the fence and trying to get into the police station. Oh god. And when you say that, the officer's like, "Oh, it's probably Hayden." I think the kid's name was like, "Yeah, he climbs over the fence like at least a couple of times a week trying to get into the police office." like a six-year-old kid or something seven-year-old kid uh so i was like oh yeah whatever i thought that was funny um when you go into the office because before you go into the archives you sneak upstairs you go into eddie's office one thing i thought was neat is that you find out eddie paid for tyler's stay at fireweed like he paid Mm -hmm. for the entire thing um which you know based on tyler's relationship with eddie you're like oh that's surprising and uh we'll get to eddie's guilt later but yeah he it's we assumed that it was like a state mandated thing right like a court mandated thing of like they sent him there or whatever but yeah, reading... it, it was because like in the first episode eddie talked about it like he tried to say like that was the best deal i could get for you you know it was better than like jail or whatever else yeah other options i, I guess in that sense i meant like funded right that they they paid for it, it was gov- government paying for that in reality it was actually eddie who paid for all of that and made sure he was able to stay there which was a pretty shocking revelation, I think, to Tyler realizing yeah. that Eddie was helping him, even though he didn't know it. Um, it's like so many things get complicated for for Tyler in this. Like, like he thinks he knows what his mom was like, and then then there's like doubts of that based on stuff he finds. And then yeah, same thing. He thinks he doesn't like Eddie, 
for this reason. And then he finds this out that he paid for him. And then he's like, huh, like it just kind of complicates everything. Well, and in the same sense, you see, you hear his opinions on tests. And then you find out like a lot of those are substantiated. <laughs> like he's actually kind of yeah. right on that. Yeah. So, uh, he's not a super flawed character in terms of everything he thinks is wrong, but it is funny the way it works out. Uh, one thing I noticed, so at this point you go to the archive and you start reading. I like the system in it of you having to put together tags and seeing separate reports, right, and finding those reports. One little detail I saw is that they didn't recover the scissors, which I thought was interesting. Um, hmm. They didn't recover the scissors at the thing, and I, I could go back and rewatch it, but in my memory, she stabs her, but I don't think the scissors stay in the mom. So I don't. And if it, if the scissors fell in the water with her, you would assume that if they were able to find the shotgun that floated with her, they could have found the scissors possibly. You know, I don't know. I just, yeah. I thought it was a weird detail. Could be something. Could be nothing. I remember because um, you read like the autopsy report and it mentions um, you know witness uh, or like suspect you know says that they stabbed the victim with scissors and that is confirmed. I don't know. Yeah, they confirm, but then they say they didn't find the scissors. So it was like one of those things where either A, she was stabbed with something and it could be explained as scissors, right? So it's a similar wound. Or what if Allison didn't stab her with scissors, but she did get stabbed with scissors? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, Which we'll get to later. Uh, I put, did they really kill her or did did she commit suicide, right? At this point, like I said, Mm -hmm. I take notes as I'm playing, so I didn't know. Um Alcohol in her system is something that they find out in the autopsy, uh, Mm -hmm. which can play a role in all this, obviously. Um, And then we get into the whole part of Eddie reporting her to child services, and you wonder why this was. And she was accused of theft and child neglect uh, by Tessa. She came to Eddie and told him about this, and whether Eddie wanted to or not, he makes it explicitly clear, like, based on procedures, he had to, you know, go through with this just because of the way his job works. Uh one thing I thought was weird, Dom, is that one of them is in the hospital. It says Ronan. Ronan is in the hospital, and Tessa is described as their legal guardian, getting them out of the hospital. Did you catch that? No. And I don't know if Tessa was marked as their legal guardian after the events and the kids were in a hospital because of trauma, right? Um, but in the thing, it says that a Ronan was in the hospital. It doesn't clarify if it's the kids or if it was Marianne earlier. But it says that Tessa pulled them out of the hospital and they, she was their legal guardian. Hmm. I thought that was weird. Okay. And it could just be a legal thing of like maybe because she was the closest family friend when, you know, the mom died or whatever. Who knows? Or it could have been a thing with Marion. I don't know. I just thought that was weird. Um, Eddie finds you in the archives at this point, right? So you confront him or you can – well, you have the confrontation then you go back to his office. And at this point you make a major decision – and you can either choose to confront him by basically yelling at him with Tyler, or you can understand his perspective and say, like, maybe we can become family, but it's definitely going to take some time. Uh, I chose the understanding one. Um, what did you go with? Uh, I went with it's uh, It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Once again, opposite. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Did you accept the key, the, the ring? Nope. Nope. <laughs> So you are in line with like, you know, you didn't accept the ring as a, as a gift. And then you obviously weren't super into forming a bond. And I went the other way where I accepted the ring and I'm forming a bond. Um, I just don't like him. Had they, I think to me, I didn't feel like it, it's earned yet. Like I know like, oh, he was the one that uh, had taken, taken care of Allison in the meantime, of course. But like, I don't know. He still feels like a stranger to me. Um, 
which is how Tyler would feel too. Cause he's like, you know, I mean, he has reasons to not like him, but ultimately it's like, yeah, he just feels like a stranger. But if you're Allison, then like, you know, this has been like basically your dad for a long time now. Right. So it's like, but to me, like that isn't like explained enough. And they, like that the relationship between Allison and Eddie to me, hasn't been like, it's been like briefly mentioned, but like not earned yet to me. Yeah. For me, I guess Tyler in that moment to me, even if he wasn't fully into it, part of him might have felt that like, okay, going along with this might result in more answers because I'm willing to work with him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe not a trusting necessarily, mm-hmm. but uh, I can get more answers yeah. with sugar than salt, right? Yeah. Um, but like, like I said, this is cool because this is a point of these story type games is that mean you interpret things differently and we make different decisions based on what we assume these characters are thinking and it leads to different results, which is really cool. Uh, what we find out is the kids meant everything to Marianne. And this is kind of a revelation too, because at this point we're still wondering if like, did she care for the kids? Did she hate him? Then we find out the book about learning about trans uh, issues and having a trans child. And to me at this point, when we start hearing from Eddie and seeing all this stuff, like I do think at the end of the day, Marianne really cared for these kids. Like they were the yeah. most important thing in her life. And obviously she had issues and she's human, but yeah, I think we can't, in my opinion, we can't question the fact that she loved her kids at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, we find out Eddie feels guilt, like a lot of guilt. And I think that's obviously why he funded Tyler's stay at Fireweed and, you know, made sure to protect Allison is because even though he wasn't, I don't, I wouldn't say he's necessarily responsible. He was kind of partially doing his job. Um, but I do think he shares some responsibility in that. And you can tell that even though he's kind of a dick, at the end of the day, he has empathy and he feels bad which is you know saying something um at this point we go to tom and tessa's store to confront tessa right we want to know tyler and allison want to know why she reported their mom right and they're feeling very angry about this (laughs) we go and talk to tom who you end up realizing that he hates conflict he just does not like conflict which is hilarious since he's running for office and he just avoided the whole situation when you go into his office which is really funny uh the dad gets mentioned again. Who's the dad? Uh, Tyler brings that up to Tom, and Allison's like, why did you bring that up? Why does it matter? And he's like, I just wanted to know. Um, we So this leads to Tessa being away from the store, and we're going to have to go find her later. But before we do and we close the store, Tyler goes to help Michael close up the store. And this is where we find out some revelations are mean. You are dead wrong, Dom. Yeah, I was Absolutely laughing so hard dead wrong. how dumb I felt, like... So initially, if you guys missed the first time we talked about this in Chapter 1, we assumed, both of us, that Michael was Allison's boyfriend without the title. They were kind of keeping a hush-hush, especially from Tyler, and that eventually we'd, you know, one of the conflicts between Tyler and Allison is that she would reveal that Michael's her boyfriend. Turns out, Michael's gay. (laughs) And we find that out as they're closing the store. Uh, Michael flirts with Tyler, and we haven't had confirmation of Tyler's gay or straight, right? Well, we get it here yes but yes but that, i'm saying before not. this point yeah, yeah yeah uh so michael flirts with him a bunch uh giving him compliments as you're figuring out how much of the inventory is left um and then one of the, i think michael in this whole thing of him flirting obviously you decide if you want to acknowledge his flirtations or kind of push him away i chose to accept them um i f- for me i felt like tyler was interested in michael to some extent uh were you the same yeah yeah i did the yeah. same this time <laughs> Their end conversation before you leave this section is really interesting because Michael has, 
even though he's more of a secondary character, he had some of the most important lines, I think, in this chapter where he first talks about how chosen family can mean the difference in your life, right? So not the people that you're born being related to, but the chosen family you find that can accept you for who you are, right? Which is a really powerful sentiment in the LGBTQ plus community because a lot of times people have to find chosen family because people are so backwards minded, you know what I mean? And awful. And then he talks about how Tessa, uh, having a, I forgot the exact quote, but he basically says, just because you are religious doesn't give you the right to weaponize it against other people, right? Which is a profound statement that I think a lot of people believe in. Even if you are religious or not religious, the worst thing you can do is weaponize that to be hateful. And he brings that up, and I, I really appreciate that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Michael is a really key character in all this, even though he might not be directly involved in the mystery of it all. I think at the end of the day, he might be one of our favorite characters just based on what he brings to the table as a friend. Yeah. I appreciate Next it. up, <laughs> next up, uh, cemetery separation promise memory. Uh, cemetery separ. I'm trying to think of what I meant when I wrote this. Cemetery separation promise memory. Oh, so when we're at the cemetery, right? We go to try to find Tessa. You come up across that totem, right? That native totem that's in the cemetery, and you have two memories there, and they're solely based on this is after Marianne has passed. And they each make a promise to each other in their memories. In Allison's memory, Tyler promises to return to her, right? And in Tyler's memory, he promises that he'll visit Allison. Um, I went with Tyler's memory because to me, based on the characters, I felt like Allison was more likely to promise to Tyler that she'd... Uh, Tyler was more willing to promise to Allison that he'd come visit her, especially since he seemed like the more mature person in that whole situation. Uh, whereas Allison, I don't know if she would say like opposite of that. You don't understand what I'm saying. I, I went with Tyler's memory. I did the same too. Um, I don't know. It, it made me, it brought me back to, um, the night of their, the event, right. Where Tyler made the choice to say, here's what we're going to tell them. Um, and I'm going to take responsibility for this or, or, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah. it felt like he would be the one to say like, I'll come back and visit you. I don't know. It was just some, a vibe I had. Next up, we find out from Tessa, who we still aren't sure is a reliable narrator or not, that Marianne was like a homewrecker. And obviously, yeah. Tessa's very religious. So you don't know from what perspective this is coming from. But she basically says, if she would have just settled down with a man, nothing would have happened. Yada, 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 right? And she's kind of blaming her. You find out that she's the reason that Sam and his wife aren't together anymore. Uh, what well, once again, from Tessa's perspective, who's to say that since we know Sam... Sure. He might have come on a little too strong, and it wasn't even Marianne's fault, right? So, uh, some stuff there. Uh, I'm trying – okay, Tessa's relationship choice. What did you choose here for Tyler? You could either choose, I don't want to lose anyone else and, you know, befriend her, or you were just like, nope, I'm out of here. I said, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, this was tough. I actually – I went for a bridge on this one. I'm not really consistent. <laughs> I was like, I, I told Eddie F off, but for Tessa, for some reason, I was like, oh, I'm exhausted from telling people to F off. Yeah. Um, not so much that I believe in Tessa that much. Um, but yeah, I, I gave her another chance. I was like, ah, I don't want to lose any more people. And, and she kind of, I don't know what she said to you in your scenario, but she kind of got to a point. I don't even want to call it acceptance of Tyler because it felt even like sh short of that. She basically said, like, well, now that I don't understand this, but I can see that you're such a, uh, a young, 
confident, um, good man in front of me right now. So I guess that's the way it is, and I and I and I get that. Something along those lines. It was, it was a step for her, right? <laughs> uh, my breaking point with her, and this is something we didn't mention with the Michael conversation, is Michael mentions that, oh yeah, every time I put up flyers for these gay events, oh yeah, they somehow get covered up, you know. And to me, I'm like, oh, she's just a shitty person. So I had no. I was just like, yeah, I'm not even going to try to, you know, build a bridge between us. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think part of that too comes to personal experience of dealing with religious zealots and bigots like that. Of like, I, I'm kind of just tired of my real life of those type of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm yeah. like, for Tyler's sake, I'm going to, no, thank you. Dude. I mean, I have an argument with myself all the time, right? Because, um, how do you like, you block that person off? Like, well, they're just going to dig in farther. Right. But if like, your best chance at um, educating someone is, is from, you know, people close to them uh, trying to like slowly, um, you know, get them to understand and give them chances. Not that they deserve any of that. Right. Yeah. Um, but for that moment, for whatever reason, I, I, I felt soft <laughs> and I went with that. Well, and there's the push and pull there of at what point do you exchange teaching an adult about empathy <laughs> That should have already known that. You give up eventually. In yeah. exchange for your happiness. You know what I mean? Because you're already going to get frustrated yeah. trying to teach somebody. And you're going to you know. exhaust yourself doing it. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so we return home and we find out the barn's on fire, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, the barn's on fire. Allison runs in to get something. I don't even know. What did she run to get? Water bucket or something? I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. She runs to go get something. Tyler approaches the barn door. A dude pops out of it. And immediately you make the connection of, oh, this is the mysterious, creepy stranger in the storybook. This is who they saw at some point. So I write down real quickly, is the stranger the dad, Sam, or someone else we already know? Because at that point I'm like, it could be Sam. It could be the dad we don't know about. It could be Eddie, somebody, right? Because they're in full, like, they actually look like the lead character in Watchmen, the new Watchmen series. Uh, Her costume. Um, I wrote down, ends with Doc cutscene. Right, because obviously at the end of all of this, you you explore the the barn, you end up finding this box, and in the box, it's Marianne talking to whoever the dad is, and then you assume, okay, this person is trying to get this information. They're the dad. The stranger is the dad. Right, mm-hmm. kind of draw that. We still don't know who the dad is, but now we know it's the dad. And once again, dad could still be Sam. We don't know. Uh, Eddie, I don't think so, because he's like kind of young. He's like in his mid thirties, so I doubt he's the dad. She would have slept when he was like 15 or something, which is quite problematic. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, at the end, during this doc cutscene, when Marianne's talking to this man, and I don't know if I'm just reading into this too much, Dom, but I got the impression that this man might have raped her. Hmm. Okay. Because I, Yeah. Because in the discussion, he says like, oh, how are they going to believe you if you go to court? They're, you know, they're not going to give you custody. And then she says, you don't deserve these kids. I want you out of here. And to me, it started reading a lot like sexual assault. Like yeah. he took something from her. And based on my own experiences with very religious people, a lot of times religious people tend to victim blame. And Tessa victim blaming Marianne of, oh, she's a floozy. She sleeps with all these men. She's a homewrecker. I think maybe Marianne could have gotten sexually assaulted. And maybe she confessed in Tessa that this happened. And Tessa's response is, why are you victim blame? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of got that vibe. And like I said, I may be reading too much into that. It might not be that crazy, but it did definitely give me the vibe of like maybe Marianne was raped and these kids are the product of a sexual assault. 
yeah that makes a lot of sense because i mean that would make that, that whole scene would make a lot of sense there because otherwise it's like well what, what what would the father have done that he's like not even existing basically and he's just this shadowy figure and no one can know about him um but that makes a lot of sense i hadn't thought of that yeah and the fact that she was so against them even knowing who he was and right. you know what i mean like i don't know it just it, it feels like that way it might go that direction uh, and then we find out, because obviously Allison notices this conversation, the I'm going to kill you line that she thought she heard the mom tell Tyler yeah. was actually Marianne telling the d- guy, mm-hmm. right? And at this point, this is like the 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 final thing that's not the post credit scene. And this to me is like, what really happened then? Because if yeah. that line is incorrect, what did happen? You know, I'm basically like doubting that whole event now um, and the timeline of it and like who said what and who did what. Now, yeah, I'm starting to question like, yeah, shoot was like. Because if she can be psychologically affected to like that where she even doesn't understand who's being talked to in that moment. And I do think they seeded that with the memory stuff. It's a core mechanic of the game of we're deciding, do I believe Tyler's memory or Allison's memory? And it might come to a point that the one memory, if you notice, that they don't kind of disagree on is that final memory. And I think that's going to be the one where they're both wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the trauma of it all made them change what happened. That's, yeah, I mean, I guess, so Tyler cut his hair, and then he, he shows up to uh, – actually, this makes a lot of sense. So, like, yeah, Tyler had just cut his hair and opens the barn door, and his and, and his mom had just uh, went through whatever with, with the father and then turns around and, like, sees the father in Tyler now with the short hair especially, right? Exactly. Um, and is in whatever kind of mental state she was in, and that's why – yeah – Ooh. Hmm. And that's why she's anti Tyler being a boy is not because she's transphobic. It's because she has a scar of men in her life from being sexually yeah. assaulted. And Tyler with short hair reminds her of that man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. And a total misunderstanding, right? This kid growing up thinking his mom's transphobic and hates him for who he was. And in reality, it's because he looked like their dad or reminded her of the dad. No, I mean – I don't think that she's totally absent absent of uh, transphobia, but uh, but oh, yeah, yeah, the primary uh, uh, crazy fat, uh, driver um, in it. I think you're right. Yeah, very interesting stuff. The post credit scene was a little odd to me because I the stinger. Uh, it's them talking and saying, "Okay, we're gonna do it. We have one more thing to sneak into," and it looked like it was showing the attic. So are we supposed to assume they're gonna go into the attic? Like I didn't get the point of the stinger really. If I'm being honest. Oh, okay. I I exited because I assumed it was the next chapter. <laughs> no, so so after you do look at the choices, which I'll get into the the percentages after this. There's a post credit sequence where it shows like a stained glass window, and it's Tyler and Allison talking about we got one more thing to sneak into a sneaky goblins yada yada. You know their little cutesy mm-hmm. sibling talk. So just a little teaser, I guess. Yeah, and to uh, me, I read much. like, okay, so are we sneaking into the attic of the house? Like, is there because the way it looked, it's like maybe this was Marianne's getaway. Or was it Marianne's room? Because we haven't been inside her room, right? Or have we? Oh, her room, yeah. Oh, yeah, because we unlocked the puzzle at the, in the first mm-hmm. chapter. Yeah. So I don't know. I was confused about it. And you didn't see it yet, so <laughs> I can't ask <laughs> you about it either. Um, thank God it wasn't something more crazy. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> it was just a window shot. So real quick, 56% of people chose Tyler's uh, side in the first uh, memory conversation. Um so I was in the minority on that because I chose Allison's. You were in the majority. 
Uh, 64% of people passed on the house, so I was in the majority, you were in the minority. 82% of people forgave Eddie, I was in the majority, you were in the Damn. minority. 77% of people took Mike's compliment, uh, we were both in the majority there. Who wouldn't take his compliment? Like, even if nice guy. Tyler isn't interested in him, it's like, take a compliment, you know, he wasn't yeah. being a creep about it. And And even when you, like, when you lean into it, it's not like... It never felt like, oh, they're about to start making out right here and it's going to be all corny. Yeah. It never felt like that was where it was. It was just like a nice conversation. Um, yeah, it wasn't cringy or awkward or anything. Yeah. 83% of people, 83% of people forgave Tessa. That to me is surprising. I thought it would have been closer to a 50-50 split, but I was vastly in the minority on that one. Um, yeah, so we're going to be hopping into Chapter 3 in the coming week and talking about it next week. We might have a special guest for that as well. So far, I don't want to say I'm enjoying it. It's lived up to my expectations for it. It's exactly what I wanted. Having a blast. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I, I, it's, just, it's doing so much right. Um, I haven't had a good uh, mystery story in my life in a while, and I'm, I'm, really, I'm, I'm into it. I'm excited to see how this plays out and uh, learning some things along the way. Yeah, I'm enjoying this a lot. Those listening, it's available on Game Pass. So you don't have to spend any more money than you already are in Game Pass if you already have it. So definitely check it out. And uh, Game Pass for PC. Yep, exactly. Uh, pretty good conversation there. We'll get into what we've been playing next week. If we have time, or the following week. This, you know, we kind of want to focus on the Tell Me Why Video Game Book Club just because it's a fun time, and we haven't really done anything like this before. If you guys have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, listen to us on Spotify. It definitely helps. On YouTube, you can search Controlled Interests. We'll pop right up. Like the video podcast. If you like them, leave us a comment. I read all of them, except for the weird adult spammy ones, as I talked about before. On Twitter, you can follow us at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. That's Controlled Interests, abbreviated. You can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. We'll be back next week with, hopefully, uh, the news that PlayStation 5s are going out to people. Um, hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. Thank you guys for listening. Catch you next week. Bye.